Again, Father, we're so grateful to yet again to grace your house to hear your word. Help us to grab hold to every single morsel like our life depends upon it because it does. Build us up and continually to transform us into the image of Jesus Christ. We ask you all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. What image comes to mind when I mention the word models? Uh, is it the uh, Model T Ford? Or is it the model airplane? Uh, I remember when I was a kid, uh, as a matter of fact, I was over at my, my other sister's house, and she had a picture of me when I was a kid. And uh, I wonder what happened to that picture. Uh, but at the time, you remember you know, those ships that went to the moon, they were nice and tall. And I had put together this rocket ship, uh, this white rocket ship. And that was uh, one of my ideas of, of having a model, a model rocket ship. It was pretty tall. Well, for most of us, this is not the first thing that comes to mind when we think of a model. First thing that comes to our mind are the young ladies that go prancing down uh, the runway at the sound of highly stylized techno music. Dipping and dancing and walking weird like I think. With hair and makeup and clothes and on and on, we think of uh, Tyra Banks and her crew. And America's next top model, who will it be? Many young ladies and, and some young men, they aspire to be models. One day so they could show off all their beauty and make tons and tons of money. And if you have ever been a part of, ever seen any of these modeling events, uh, you have heard all about the parties. In fact, even some of the wild things that are connected with some of them. But you also know that modeling is a necessary part of advertising. Right? It is quite difficult to sell a product to the masses without a human being either showing you or telling you how great it is. There are models for the hand, you know, hand models. There are legs, leg models, some legs, legs are not created equal. There are hair models and models for cars and models for clothes. The people in the ads, they invite us to enter into the realm uh, of commerce and buy what they're trying to peddle to us. Every model, regardless of what type they are, uh, they are attempting to get a message across to us. <laughs> the lyrics of every single song, in fact, they even model behavior. Through words, uh, these words, they invite us to leave all we think and enter their world where they offer some connections into their reality. Well, in our message today, we're going to work through a, a series of verses 
which promotes uh, a modeling of a different type. No, no, not the, uh, the Tyra Banks and crew uh, thing prancing down the runway, but one of a different type. Turn with me to Titus, please. You see, in the world in which Titus lived, there in Crete, there were all types of advertising and modeling going on of which every single believer was exposed to. In fact, here's a, a quick list of, uh, of some of the things that were being modeled in, uh, in that place. Listen to this. As the, uh, the, uh, the models of Crete came running down the runway, they came modeling insubordination. They came modeling talk that was full of nothing. They were modeling lies. They were modeling ways of how to get money and also devoting themselves to myths. And the top it all off, some were modeling uh, this uh, type of, uh, of attitude and behavior that says, I know God, but yet at the same time, their very actions denied God himself. Well, maybe these people were just being themselves. You know, well, I'm just being me. I'm being real. That's why you see what you see. Well, you may be real, but uh, you are certainly acting like a real devil. So how does a disciple of Jesus Christ contend with a world that insists on modeling behavior which is always on the edge? An even bigger challenge is to get believers to understand uh, that we are representing Christ by our actions, by our speech, and yes, uh, here it is, by what we wear. You see, it all sends a message. What kind of message do you send to the world? Uh, this is exactly what scripture will focus on today. Uh, what exactly do you model when you are out and about in this world? Today, uh, we're going to talk about very briefly five groups of people who need to take the modeling runway. They will model for us whether they want to or not. They don't have a choice because they're already doing it. Uh, Titus chapter 2, verse 1. So as... The models come uh, prancing down the runway. Uh, you know how it is, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Next we have coming down the runway is Miss Dolores. As she prances on down in her nice uh, green dress here. Uh, this was made, oh yes, oh, can you believe this? Just for her, uh, because she's going to the east and she's going to the left. You go ahead and you work that thing, girl, because you are looking good. Ladies and gentlemen, you give her a round of applause. Doesn't she look good? First down the runway, older men. All of our older men must now walk down the model's runway. Come on with me, Titus chapter 2, verse 2. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. You see, one characteristic people insist on is authenticity, right? Uh, as I enter into many different conversations with all type of folks, and, and in fact, I was, uh, uh, last week I was in conversation with some folks, 
uh, someone from a younger generation, and they were saying, yeah, you know, some of the older uh, pastors and stuff, uh, they don't like us younger folks because we have all these new ideas and this, that, and the other. I'm like, really? I said, well, tell me what you're talking about. Uh, I want to hear from you. He says, well, for instance, you know, I was at this church and I wanted to do what I wanted to do. And the pastor said no. And then he started talking about me all over the pulpit. You see, you, uh, some of those older preachers, they're just not right. I said, well, I ain't got nothing to do with being an older preacher or a younger generation. That got everything to do with uh, being in order in the church. And also even with the pastor himself being right, knowing that that's not the place that you deal with that kind of stuff. That has nothing to do with it. So I said, so tell me what you're talking about. Uh, another young lady, she began to express herself. She said, yeah, yeah, you see us young folks, we have all these ideas and we want to do this. And some of the older folks, I said, no, what you're talking about is you just want to do what you want to do and you don't want nobody to direct you. I said, so would somebody tell me how different is the younger generation from the older generation? Uh, we talked for about two hours and nobody ever told me anything. I can't tell you how many times I've been in these same conversations. Yes, some of our younger people, they are exposed to some things uh, sooner than we were, but in essence, they're still the same folks. They're the same kind of folks with the same kind, of, and you'd be the same way if you were exposed to the things if, if you were younger. So are there genuine people in the church? Yes, there are. Are there fakes in the church? Yes, there are. Uh, so what uh, Paul was telling Titus, he said, you old, older men, you elder men in the church, that you need to be authentic, you need to be real. Who are these older men? They are the ones that's been around the longest. Uh, another way of seeing this would be to view them as the ones who are more mature in the faith. Oftentimes, it is the older people that are considered the stewards of the mysteries of God as revealed through Christ Jesus. Uh, yes, this speaks specifically to the elders in, in, in age amongst believers, yes. But Paul uses this word, uh, elder, an old man, to describe one who is mature within the church body. Paul even calls himself an old man in Philemon chapter 1 verse 9. So the elders among us should have both spiritual and practical wisdom. Therefore, uh, there are characteristics which should be true of our older men in the church. Uh, you should not be around Jesus for years and years and years, and then you end up being and acting like a fool. I tell you today, no one gets a pass with this message. It affects all and therefore is given to all. So before you start saying amen about the old men, just hold on because I'm coming after you next. I shouldn't say I'm coming after you. I said the word of God is coming after you next. So older men must be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, uh, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. So first it says they must be sober-minded, right? In other words, they are not to allow external circumstances to dictate their thinking today. This does not mean that if you are older that you should be closed-minded. How many people know older folks who are closed-minded? If you know that, raise your hand or have no. Uh, you can't tell them nothing. Right? Kind of like some of the younger people, you can't tell them nothing. Uh, some of the older people, you can't tell them nothing because everybody's mind is closed. 
You know what sober means. It means you are not inebriated with some kind of wine or some kind of drug. Now, David, if you wouldn't mind, I'm going to switch to the podium mic because this is making too much noise for me. So scripture already encouraged us not to be drunk with wine, but now it tells us not to be drunk in the mind. Next, older men, you must be dignified. Uh, your age should mean you, should, you are beyond all the stupidity found in the world. Your life should be befitting for someone like you. You should not walk around with your pants hanging down uh, below the edge of your real, real end if you are an older man. In fact, if you are a younger man, you shouldn't be walking around with your pants, uh, with your pants uh, down below the lower part of your rear end. That is not dignity. We want to give you respect, so you must act dignified and respectable. You, as the elder statesman among us, are to exude royalty like a king. Uh, you shouldn't be like the kids. You know, I know some of us say, you know what? Well, I'm just friends with all the kids. Well, you go ahead and be friends with them, but also you be mature at the same time. And this is one of the reasons I personally, uh, you know what I say? I personally don't like younger folks calling our elders by their first name. I just don't like it. I don't care if they say it's okay. I remember sometimes I, I, I've spoken to folks and I call them Mr. So-and-so or doctor or pastor. So they say, no, no, call me this, that, and the other. And I said, no, I'll just call you. They said, no, 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 call me this. You don't have to call me this. I just want to be your friend. I'm like, well, I'm not, I don't want you to be my friend. I want you to give me some wisdom. Can you give me some wisdom? Leviticus 19, verse 32. Look at that. There was a time when this would happen. And I'm not saying uh, this for the state of abuse, but I'm saying that there's something here in which God recognizes to be true. Leviticus 19, verse 32. You shall stand up before the gray head and honor the face of an old man. And then look what's connected right next to it. You see that? And you shall fear your God. I am the Lord. In other words, it's saying that, you know what, if an older man comes over you to shake your hand and you're sitting down, uh, get your butt up out the seat. Uh, everybody who's younger than my father, he's not here, uh, he'll be 94 this year, right? Everybody who's younger than him, if you see an older person in our midst uh, and they come and shake your hand, you need to stand up. Amen? Because in this, in this respect, God honors you. There is an order. So when I see uh, Elder Davis coming to my way to shake my hand, you better believe I'm going to stand up. And I'm going to stand quick, too. You see the word dignified. It points to the seriousness of purpose and to self-respect in conduct. Uh, through your life, you have finally learned, if you are this elder statesman, uh, to be self-controlled. 
Sometimes it takes a while for all of us to obtain this aspect of character, but you have learned through trials, through sufferings, and through endurance. The one thing about our true elders, those that love the Lord, is that they don't jump at everything that comes their way. When something happens, they don't say, okay, let's do it now, let's go ahead and do it now, let's do it now. Uh, like they're on, on, on some kind of hyped up drug or something like that. They have been there and they have done that and they ain't trying to get up and waste their time. But our elder men, they are also sound in faith, sound in love, and sound in steadfastness. The bottom, love, uh, the bottom line is that without being sound in faith, none of this is possible. I was talking to uh, a friend of mine uh, this conversation happened a couple of years ago, and, uh, and I asked him, I was looking at him, the way he was responding to some people. I asked him, I said, are you going to be a, uh, an old, mean man when you get older? And he looked at me and said, yeah. And I just said, I just said you're crazy. He's just all rickety. I said, man, you're still young. Why are you acting like, uh, like you are uh, 506 years old? Younger people don't want to be around mean old folks. So if you mean, uh, you need to reverse, if you're mean, you need to reverse course right away. Your meanness does not display the character of one who has been bought by the blood of the lamb. So now that we see uh, our older men, they have pranced down the runway and they have now returned from whence they have come. Uh, next we have another group of folks coming, uh, whipping down the, the runway. Our older women. Older women must walk the model's runway. Titus chapter 2 verse 3. Older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good and so train the young women. And we'll talk about the next part in the next section. So what has been said about the older men must also be said of the older women. But scripture takes it a step further. Uh, in addition to being dignified or reverent in behavior, our older women must also watch their mouths. You see the scripture there? They must watch not only what comes out of their mouth, but also watch what goes into their mouth. They are not to be slanderers and not to be slaves to much wine. Does that mean they should be slaves to a little wine? No, uh, not to be slaves to wine. Uh, it's no secret, as we all know, ladies, they love to talk. All the ladies know this, and everybody else know that uh, when you put uh, an average man and a woman next to each other, typically uh, most women, most girls, will talk more than most men. There's always exceptions on both ends, but generally, I would say, and if you would disagree with me, uh, send your email to, to uh, uh, wscott at churchofchicago.org, and he will handle your requests right away. You know, too much talking is bound to lead us all in trouble. You know that? So it says here, let's deal with the first part, that our older women must not be slanderers. Did you know, right? Did you know that the word slander uh, derives from the word devil? Did you know this? 
I'll tell you it again. The word slander derives from the word devil. The word for slander is uh, diabolus. The word for devil is diabolos. Why? Because uh, the devil himself, he is known as the accuser of the brothers. You see, typically a person who slanders another, uh, that they're into uh, oftentimes this false and malicious talk. They're always trying to take somebody down. Either because they don't like them or they're trying to have their way. I'm not sure what it is. Uh, but when you slander that you are operating in the same principles of the devil. So before you start talking about some folks, older ladies. Okay. Uh, before you start talking about some folks, gossipers. Make sure that you have all your facts in order. And even if you get all your facts in order, that does not mean that you're supposed to go around talking about people. Because at the end of the day, you still may not know what you're talking about because you may not have all the context. Numbers chapter 12, verse 1. Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Cushite woman whom he had married. For he had married a Cushite woman. In other words, uh, uh, Miriam, and it says Miriam and Aaron in that order. Typically, when there is one that's older and the next is uh, second oldest, they'll put them in that order. The one is important. So what the scripture is telling us that is that Miriam headed the whole conversation off. I don't like Moses, she says, because he got this Cushite woman. Some believe that uh, probably because she was dark-skinned. She came from that region. So they did not like this Cushite woman. So they start talking about Moses and his wife. And up to this point, God ain't had no problem with it. So what you doing talking about them? And there you go, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. If God ain't got no problem with somebody, you shouldn't have a problem with it. So they began to speak this malicious talk and harmful things to Moses, and God dealt with them too. God, he dealt with that slander. So slander is not befitting of an elder woman who is a disciple of Jesus Christ. Slander reeks of the devil. Do not talk for what you do not know. Moving on. Our elder women must not be given to much wine. You see, uh, when you overdo it with what you drink uh, with your mouth, what ends up coming out ends up sounding like the devil. A drunk is a sight nobody wants to see. An older woman who is drunk, it just doesn't make any sense at all. Pray for their deliverance. Our elder women also, they have another responsibility, and that is to mentor our younger women. You hear what I said? If you're an older woman, a part of your responsibility is to mentor the younger women as well. And one of the things I must mention, again, I've already mentioned it before, in a very short way, is that we already know that some young folks, they don't want to be told what to do. You try to tell them something, you get, who do you think you are? And then they go to their parents, you can't tell my daughter, you can't tell my son what to do. Who do you think you are? Next thing you know, the whole thing has come undone. 
Now, I know this is a different world and, and there's, a, there's abuse going on, but the bottom line is, I, in my opinion, the abuse has always been going on. The only difference is, is now being reported everywhere. You know, so we're not looking for anyone that's going to abuse uh, someone else, uh, but the spiritual principle is that our believing older women should mentor our younger women. And the bottom line is our older men should mentor our younger men as well. So if you're going around slandering everybody, if you're going around slandering everyone and, and your daughter or your neighbor who, or someone else hears you slandering someone else, what do you how do you think they're going to end up acting? And then when they get older, you can't figure out, I don't know why my little cheesecake is like this. And they're always talking about somebody. That's because you always talking about somebody. Stop talking about folks and put on your Christ-likeness. Therefore, all of our women should become mentors to our younger ladies and our younger girls. Everyone can model and teach something to someone else. Amen? And if you are the oldest one in here or the next to the oldest or whoever it may be, look to someone who's next in line. Maybe they can teach you something. I tell you, I learned a lot. I learned a lot from my sons. They don't, I don't, I don't tell them this, you know, because they, they get on all that. All these younger people, I learned from them. That's why, I, that's why I'm fascinated when I talk to them sometimes. That's why I ask people, tell me what you think. Tell me what you think. I actually want to know what you think. I got to be careful when I, when I tell Benjamin that because, man, Benjamin, he just, <laughs> man, he, he will tell you. I like that, though. He will tell you what he thinks. Know that the middle-aged women should be watching our older women. The younger women should be watching our middle-aged women. The teenage girls should be watching our younger women. And our young girls are to watch our teenage girls. Uh, that's why when, when everybody, when you get in all that mess, you know, whoever you are, if you are mature in the faith and you see someone just acting crazy, correct them. Don't be nasty, depending on what they do, because sometimes uh, some young folks, they just do crazy stuff. But correct them in the love and in the gentleness of Jesus Christ. And then go tell their parents if, if that situation is going on right there. So you be careful at the same time, operate in wisdom and discernment. Amen? So why did uh, Paul specifically tell Titus to have the older women to mentor and to teach the younger women? Because uh, the bottom line is that the older women are more qualified than the men to teach them and lead them. Men are more qualified to teach and to lead the younger men. So when you have a man in your household who's standing up, who's trying to direct your son, ladies, step back. Step back. Yes, you bring balance sometimes, because sometimes, I admit, sometimes we men, we can go off. Uh, we can go off sometimes. You know, there's certain things, as, you know, we can be as, as harmless as doves, and then the next second, uh, we turn into this fierce lion in the house. That's the way it should operate in the church. Well, next, coming down the runway, we have our younger ladies. We don't have to tell them how to walk and how to talk because they've, they've already learned how to do that, right? Uh, yeah, right. Okay, what does Paul say here, uh, beginning at the end of Titus chapter 2, verse 4? The young women 
should love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Young ladies, love your husbands and your children. I find that quite uh, funny in a way. These are the things which the older ladies must teach the younger women, but I am mystified by the fact that young ladies are told to love their husbands and love their children. It didn't make sense to me because uh, we always say that mothers are, are the nurturers in the family. How could this be? I remember just a few months ago, in fact, it was uh, last month, I remember there in Florida how the lady, uh, she drove her, uh, her van into the Atlantic Ocean with herself and her children in it. Thinking of our society today, it could be that the women, uh, they begin to take on too much responsibility within the family and it becomes too much of a burden on them. We're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place because on the one hand, uh, we're saying that a woman should earn just as much as a man. We're saying women should do just as much as a man can do. But the problem is that women are not built the same way as a man did, is because God created us differently. Uh, whether you accept that or not, that's not my problem, that's your problem. And you don't have a problem with me, you have a problem with God. God has made a man and a woman different. Bottom line, if you can't see it physically, uh, then you really have a problem. But the words that stick out in our passage is young women. You see, when you are young, you have a tendency to be self-absorbed. Uh, this is one of the reasons why some young folks, they should not get married because they are too focused on themselves to be with somebody else. How are you going to be uh, uh, yoked with someone else and you only concern about yourself? You need to mature and you need to grow up. And then when you grow up, then you'll be ready. And some of you say, well, no, I'm going to get ready when I get married. No, you're not. You're going to be in a heap of trouble when you get married. When I consider myself... I know this for a fact that that was one of the problems that I had when I got married because, man, I just, you know, my wife and all her kids that she had, right? You know, it just, you know, I'm like, man, you ain't got no time for me. You know, you're always spending time. We call, uh, many of you don't know, and he may be embarrassed by this, uh, but anyway, uh, my son Terrence, uh, his name, we called him, well, I called him Binky, right? When he, was, uh, when he was younger. And my son David, I called him Puffy when he was younger uh, because his jaws were puffy. And uh, Tania, I called her Tersh Ball. So everyone, everyone had that's why, you know, even uh, little Elizabeth, I call her Cece, little Boom Boom, I, little Reuben, I call him Boom Boom, uh, little uh, uh, Reuben number two, right, George, George, George Jr., I call him uh, 319. I give everyone a nickname. Everyone gets a nickname from me. And some of you may have nicknames, I just don't call it to you in public or in private, uh, but believe me, I give just about everybody a nickname. It's just... Want to know he's having a fit over here now? I see. So the bottom line is that we become, uh, we can get very self-absorbed within ourselves. And this is what I believe, uh, there's no other evidence for it in scripture. This is what I believe that, that, Paul, that Paul is encouraging Titus to tell the young women, don't be self-absorbed, but love your husbands and your children. Be what God has called you to be. You're also to be young ladies Self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to your own husbands. 
Well, we know times are different. We know that there's a cultural gap that existed there, and you have to work that out on your own. But in any case, know that, that God will bless your life. Amen? Next, coming down the runway, modeling in their skinny jeans and, and their pants, and now they're now short coats. We have our younger men come prancing down the, 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 the model's runway. Titus chapter 2, verse 6, likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled, period. Isn't that interesting? Everybody else gets this long list, and it seems to me that the one group of people who needs the longest list of them all got the only basically one word. I know it says self-control, but in the original, it's only one word there. The younger men are only to be self-controlled? Does that mean that you younger men generally, other than that, you have it all together? Well, no, it means that you all are so crazy in one area that you can only focus on one thing. So God said, here's the one thing I need for you to do, and that is to be self-controlled. Young men must get themselves under control because they believe more than anybody else that they are superhuman and nothing can happen to them. They are like Superman in this world. But know that what has been said about older men also applies to you as well. You are not exempt. Because your mind has a tendency to be everywhere at once, you must learn to focus on this one task, and that is being in self, get yourself under control, young man. Finally, coming down the runway, we have everybody who has a job. Verse 9, bond servants are to be submissive to their own masters in everything. They are to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, but showing all good faith so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. What do you model when you are at work? Our passage deals with slaves. That's what bond servants are, that they are slaves. And this is not scripture basically supporting the idea of having slaves, but what scripture is saying, if you happen to find yourself in this situation, this is the way you're supposed to be, that you're supposed to adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. So this applies to all of us who have jobs. How do you respond to criticism when you're at work? Are you ready to take your, your boss's head off every time they bring corrective measures? Or are you just, you know, okay, maybe you're right. Maybe I need to take a look at myself. The way that you respond on your job shows who you really follow. Scripture says it is possible that some of you, you when you get to work, you steal. That's what pilfering is. Some of you, you get the work you steal. Well, I'm just going to take this, uh, this whole stack of stick'em notes and ain't nobody going to miss them. And besides, they should have paid me another dollar more an hour and the way I calculate her in another year. I could pay for this whole thing if they gave me another raise. Well, when you said yes to that job, you also said, yes, I'm not going to steal. So the scripture says that when you get to the job, and, and if you're a young person, you ain't got no job, when you get to school, you should not steal. Don't steal other people's stuff. Don't take things that do not belong to you. So finally, the point of all this is that your life 
should direct people to Jesus Christ. So when you come walking down this runway, that what people should not uh, be looking at the most should not be what you got on. It should be not be what you have, but who you are. And that is a person who's sold out for Jesus Christ. Let's look at this. Titus chapter 2, uh, verse 5. Look at this here. That the word of God may not be reviled. There it is. Titus chapter 2, verse 8. So that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. Titus chapter 2, verse 10. So that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. So in other words, when you model, you should model in harmony with sound teaching. You should model with sound doctrine according, in concord, according to sound teaching and sound doctrine. If you don't, trust me, you are not walking, you are not modeling in the will of God. So God tells us this, why? Because number one, ladies and gentlemen, that this is, this is not about us. Again, it's all about Jesus Christ. Uh, every time we come together, uh, everyone, it's always about Jesus Christ. Every time that we consider the church, it's about Jesus Christ. When we consider the family, Jesus Christ. When we consider our kids, Jesus Christ. When we consider our jobs, Jesus Christ. It's all about Jesus Christ. Let us not be confused about the matter. So God calls us that when we go prancing and modeling down the runway of life, that people see Jesus and they want to get what you're selling to them, which will change their life. Let's pray. Well, Father, we just want to thank you because you have called each and every one of us to this tremendous task of adorning ourselves with the doctrine of Jesus Christ. And we must ask you that in those areas in which you have convicted us today that you would forgive us. And we're so thankful, Lord God, that uh, the fact that we're here, that you're trying to get some things straightened out in our life. The word says that if we are faithful and, and uh, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So whether you're having issues with your self-control whether you're having issues with drinking wine, overdoing it, if you're having issues with slandering with your mouth, of course, having issues with your husband or your wife or your children or having issues on your job, God is calling us all to repent today. But my brothers and sisters, as we pray, I want you to know that God has his arms around you right now. And he's saying that I forgive you. He's saying, I forgive you. Walk in my ways. And Father, because of your grace, we're thankful that you shower us again with your love and your mercy. May you be blessed eternally. May we walk in your ways. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I feel as if for some reason that uh, there may be some of you, especially after this message, that you may want to take communion again. I think there's a few things, a few elements that are remaining. Pastor Scott, when you dismiss, if you, if you wouldn't mind, uh, would you uh, uh, give uh, the elements to anyone who feels in their heart that uh, they need to take communion again today and allow them to do that at the service today. So uh, if you know that uh, you, are, you, know, you like to talk after service, we love you, we want you to stay, we want you to talk, we want you to take it out into the hallway, into the North X as they call it, and have yourself a blast. And, but if you feel, if you sense that God wants you to come again to his table, uh, Pastor Scott will lead you in such thing. Amen. Uh, if you do not have a relationship with Christ, this is important, right? This is important. If you do not have a relationship with Christ, this is your time. I know some of you, <clears throat> you, you may wonder, uh, why does he do this again and again? And sometimes people, they never come to Christ. Well, this is uh, something that we should not worry about, but we should be ecstatic about. Because someone whose hand that you may have shaken, someone that you may have hugged or talked, they may not know Jesus Christ. They're just faking it. So our, our call is out to those, to everyone who does not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. All of us were born sinners, every one of us, and there's only one way back into the good graces of God, and that is through his son, Jesus Christ. And if you believe that you do not have this relationship, that we want you to lift your hand in the air, and we want to pray with you this afternoon. Is there one in here this afternoon that does not have a relationship with Christ? and you would like one. Is there one in this place? Is there one? So again, Father, we thank you for everyone in this place. May you be blessed. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.